Part One of The Matchless Orinda. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Poems by the most deservedly admired Mrs. Catherine Phillips, The Matchless Orinda. Part One. Poems One through Ten. One. Upon the double murder of King Charles I, in answer to a libellous copy of rhymes by Vavasor Powell. I think not on the state, nor am concerned which way soever the great helm is turned, but as that son whose father's danger nigh did force his native dumbness and untie the fettered organs, so this is a cause that will excuse the breach of nature's laws. Silence were now a sin. Nay, passion now wise men themselves for merit would allow. What noble eye could see, and careless pass, The dying lion kicked by every ass? Has Charles so broke God's laws, He must not have a quiet crown, Nor yet a quiet grave? Tombs have been sanctuaries, Thieves lie there secure From all their penalty and fear. Great Charles, his double misery was this, unfaithful friends, ignoble enemies. Had any heathen been this prince's foe, he would have wept to see him injured so. His title was his crime, they reasoned good to quarrel at the right, they had withstood. He broke God's laws, and therefore he must die. And what shall then become of thee and I? Slander must follow treason. But yet stay. Take not our reason with our king away. Though you have seized upon all our defence, yet do not sequester our common sense. Christ will be king, but I ne'er understood his subjects built his kingdom up with blood, except their own, or that he would dispense with his commands, though for his own defence. Oh, to what height of horror are they come, who dare pull down a crown, tear up a tomb! Two, on the numerous access of the English to wait upon the king in Flanders. Hasten, great prince, unto thy British isles, or all thy subjects will become exiles. To thee they flock, thy presence is their home, as Pompey's camp where'er it moved was Rome. They that asserted thy just cause go hence, to testify their joy and reverence, and those that did not, now, by wonder taught, go to confess and expiate their fault. So that if thou dost stay, thy gasping land itself will empty on the Belgic sand, where the affrighted Dutchman does profess he thinks it an invasion, not a dress. As we unmonarched were for want of thee, so till thou come we shall unpeopled be. None but the close fanatic will remain, Who by our loyalty his ends will gain. And he the exhausted land will quickly find As desolate a place as he designed. For England, though grown old with woes, Will see her long-denied and sovereign remedy. So when old Jacob could but credit give That his prodigious Joseph still did live, Joseph that was preserved to restore Their lives that would have taken his before, it is enough, said he, to Egypt I will go, and see him once before I die. 3. 
Orion on a Dolphin, to His Majesty at His Passage into England. Whom does this stately navy bring? Oh, tis great Britain's glorious king! Convey him then, ye winds and seas, Swift as desire and calm as peace. In your respect let him survey What all his other subjects pay, And prophesy to them again The splendid smoothness of his reign. Charles and his mighty hopes you bear, A greater now than Caesar's here, Whose veins a richer purple boast Than ever heroes yet engrossed, Sprung from a father so august, He triumphs in his very dust. In him two miracles we view, His virtue and his safety too. For when compelled by traitors' crimes To breathe and bow in foreign climes, Exposed to all the rigid fate That does on withered greatness wait, Plots against life and conscience laid, By foes pursued, by friends betrayed, then heaven, his secret potent friend, Did him from drugs and stabs defend, And what's more yet kept him upright Midst flattering hope and bloody fight. Cromwell his own right never gained, Defender of the faith remained, For which his predecessors fought and writ, But none so dearly bought. Never was prince so much besieged, At home provoked, abroad obliged, Nor ever man resisted thus, no, not great Athanasius, no help of friends could or foes spite, to fierce invasion him invite. Revenge to him no pleasure is, he spared their blood who gaped for his. Blushed any hands the English crown should fasten on him but their own. As peace and freedom with him went, with him they came from banishment. That he might his dominions win, he with himself did first begin. And that best victory obtained, his kingdom quickly he regained. The illustrious sufferings of this prince did all reduce and all convince. He only lived with such success, that the whole world would fight with less. Assistant kings could but subdue those foes which he can pardon too. He thinks no slaughter trophies good, nor laurels dipped in subjects' blood, but with a sweet resistless art disarms the hand and wins the heart and like a god doth rescue those who did themselves and him oppose. Go, wondrous prince, adorn that throne which birth and merit make your own, and in your mercy brighter shine than in the glories of your line. Find love at home, and abroad fear, and veneration everywhere. The united world will you allow their chief, to whom the English bow, and monarchs shall to yours resort, as Sheba's queen to Judah's court, returning thence constrained more to wonder, envy, and adore. Discovered Rome will hate your crown, but she shall tremble at your frown. For England shall, ruled and restored by you, the suppliant world protect, or else subdue. 4. On the fair weather just at the coronation, it having rained immediately before and after. So clear a season, and so snatched from storms, Shows heaven delights to see what man performs. Well knew the sun, if such a day were dim, It would have been an injury to him. For then a cloud had from his eye concealed The noblest sight that ever he beheld. He therefore checked the invading rains we feared, And in a bright parenthesis appeared. 
so that we knew not which looked most content, the king, the people, or the firmament. But the solemnity once fully passed, the storm returned with an impetuous haste, and heaven and earth each other to outdo, vied both in cannons and in fireworks too. So Israel passed through the divided flood, while in obedient heaps the ocean stood. But the same sea, the Hebrews once on shore, returned in torrents where it was before. 5. To the Queen's Majesty on her arrival at Portsmouth, May 14, 1662. Now that the seas and winds so kind are grown, for our advantage to resign their own, now you have quitted the triumphant fleet, and suffered English ground to kiss your feet, whilst your glad subjects with impatience throng to see a blessing they have begged so long, whilst nature, who in compliment to you kept back till now her wealth and beauty too, hath to attend the lustre your eyes bring, sent forth her loved ambassador the spring. Whilst in your praise fame's echo doth conspire with the soft touches of the sacred lyre, let an obscure muse upon her knees present you with such offerings as these, and you as a divinity adore, so that your mercy may appear the more. Who, though of those you should the best receive, can such imperfect ones as these forgive? Hail, royal beauty, virgin bright and great, who do our hopes secure, our joys complete. We cannot reckon what to you we owe, who make him happy, who makes us be so. But heaven for us the desperate debt hath paid, who such a monarch hath your trophy made. A prince whose virtue did alone subdue armies of men, and of offences too. So good that from him all our blessings flow, yet is a greater than he can bestow. So great that he dispenses life and death, and Europe's fate depends upon his breath. For fortune in amends now courts him more than ever she affronted him before, as lovers that of jealousy repent grow troublesome in kind acknowledgment. Who greater courage showed in wooing you than other princes in their battles do? Never was Spain so generously defied, where they designed a prey he courts a bride. Hence they may guess what will his anger prove, when he appeared so brave in making love. And be more wise than to provoke his arms, who can submit to nothing but your charms. And till they give him leisure to subdue, his enemies must owe their peace to you. Whilst he and you mixing illustrious rays, as much above our wishes as our praise, such heroes shall produce, as even they, without regret or blushes, shall obey. 6. To the Queen Mother's Majesty, January 1, 1661. You justly may forsake a land which you have found so guilty and so fatal too. Fortune, injurious to your innocence, shot all her poisoned arrows here or hence. Twas here bold rebels once your life pursued, to whom twas treason only to be rude, till you were forced by their unwearied spite, O glorious criminal, to take your flight. Whence after you all that was humane fled. For here, oh, here, the royal martyr bled, whose cause and heart must be divine and high, that having you could be content to die. Here they purloined what we to you did owe, and paid you in variety of woe. 
Yet all those billows in your breast did meet, A heart so firm, so loyal, and so sweet, That over them you greater conquest made Than your immortal father ever had. For we may read in story of some few That fought like him, none that endured like you. Till sorrow blushed to act what traitors meant, And providence itself did first repent. But as our active, so our passive ill, Hath made your share to be the sufferers still. As from our mischiefs all your troubles grew, Tis your sad right to suffer for them too. Else our great Charles had not been hence so long, Nor the illustrious Gloucester died so young, Nor had we lost a princess all confessed To be the greatest, wisest, and the best, Who leaving colder parts but less unkind, for it was here she set, and there she shined, did to a most ungrateful climate come to make a visit, and to find a tomb. So that we should as much your smile despair, as of your stay in this unpurged air, but that your mercy doth exceed our crimes as much as your example former times, and will forgive our offerings, though the flame does tremble still betwixt regret and shame, for we have justly suffered more than you, by the sad guilt of all your sufferings too. As you the great idea have been seen of either fortune, and in both the Queen, live still triumphant by the noblest wars, and justify your reconciled stars. See your offenders for your mercy bow, and your tried virtue all mankind allow, while you to such a race have given birth, as are contended for by heaven and earth. 7. Upon the Princess Royal her return into England. Welcome, sure pledge of reconciled powers, If kingdoms have good angels, you are ours. For the ill ones checked by your bright influence, Could never strike till you were hurried hence. But then, as streams withstood more rapid grow, War and confusion soon did overflow, Such and so many sorrows did succeed, As it would be a new one now to read. But whilst your lustre was to us denied, You scattered blessings everywhere beside. Nature and fortune have so curious been, To give you worth and seen to show it in. But we do most admire that generous care Which did your glorious brother's sufferings share, So that he thought them in your presence none, And yet your sufferings did increase his own. O oh, wondrous prodigy! O oh, race divine! Who owe more to your actions than your line! Your lives exalt your father's deathless name, The blush of England and the boast of fame. Pardon, great madam, this unfit address, Which doth profane the glory t'would confess. Our crimes have banished us from you, And we were more removed by them than by the sea. Nor is it known whether we wronged you more When we rebelled, or now we do adore. But what guilt found, devotion cannot miss, And you who pardoned that will pardon this. Your blessed return tells us our storms are ceased, Our faults forgiven, and our stars appeased. Your mercy, which no malice could destroy, Shall first bestow, and then instruct our joy. For bounteous heaven hath, in your highness sent, Our great example, bliss, and ornament. 8. On the death of the illustrious Duke of Gloucester Great Gloucester is dead. And yet in this we must confess that angry heaven is wise and just. 
We have so long and yet so ill endured the woes which our offences had procured, that this new stroke would all our strength destroy, had we not known an interval of joy. And yet, perhaps, this stroke had been excused, if we this interval had not abused. But our ingratitude and discontent deserved to know our mercies were but lent. And those complaints heaven in this rigid fate doth first chastise, and then legitimate. By this it our divisions does reprove, and makes us join in grief, if not in love. For, glorious youth, all parties do agree, as in admiring so lamenting thee. The sovereigns, subjects, foreigners delight, thou wert the universal favourite. Not Rome's beloved and brave Marcellus fell so much a darling or a miracle. Though built of richest blood and finest earth, thou hadst a heart more noble than thy birth, which by the afflictive changes thou didst know, thou hadst but too much cause and time to show. For when fate did thy infancy expose to the most barbarous and stupid foes, yet thou didst then so much express the prince, as did even them amaze, if not convince. Nay, that loose tyrant whom no bound confined, whom neither laws nor oath nor shame could bind, although his soul was then his look more grim, yet thy brave innocence half softened him. And he that worth wherein thy soul was dressed, by his ill-favoured clemency confessed, lessening the ill which he could not repent, he called that travel which was banishment. Escaped from him thy trials were increased, the scene was changed, but not the danger ceased. Thou from rough guardians to seducers gone, those made thy temper, these thy judgment known. Whilst thou the noblest champion wert for truth, whether we view thy courage or thy youth. If to foil nature and ambition claims greater reward than to encounter flames, all that shall know the story must allow, a martyr's crown prepared for thy brow. But yet thou wert suspended from thy throne, till thy great brother had regained his own. Who, though the bravest sufferer, yet even he could not at once have missed his crown and thee. But as commissioned angels make no stay, but having done their errand go their way, so thy part done, not thy restored state, the future splendour which did for thee wait, nor that thy prince and country must mourn for such a support and such a counsellor, could longer keep thee from that bliss, whence thou look'st down with pity on earth's monarchs now where thy capacious soul may quench her thirst, and younger brothers may inherit first. While on our king heaven does this care express, to make his comforts safe he makes them less. For this successful heathens used to say, it is too much, great gods, send some allay. 9. To Her Royal Highness the Duchess of York, on her commanding me to send her some things that I had written. To you whose dignity strikes us with awe, and whose far greater judgment gives us law, your mind being more transcendent than your state, for while but knees to this, heart bow to that. These humble papers never durst come near, had not your powerful word bid them appear. In such majesty, such sweetness dwells, as in one act obliges and compels. None can dispute commands vouchsafed by you. What shall my fears then and confusion do? They must resign and by their just pretence some value set on my obedience. 
for in religious duties, tis confessed, the most implicit are accepted best. If on that score your highness will excuse this blushing tribute of an artless muse, she may, encouraged by your least regard, which first can worth create and then reward, at modest distance with improved strains, that mercy celebrate which now she gains. But should you that severe justice use, which these two prompt approaches may produce, as the swift hind which hath escaped long, believes a vulgar shot would be a wrong, but wounded by a prince falls without shame, and what in life she loses, gains in fame. So, if a ray from you chance to be sent, which to consume and not to warm is meant, my trembling muse at least more nobly dies, and falls by that a truer sacrifice. 10. On the Death of the Queen of Bohemia Although the most do with officious heat only adore the living and the great, yet this queen's merits fame so far hath spread, that she rules still, though dispossessed and dead. For losing one, two other crowns remained. Over all hearts and her own griefs she reigned. Two thrones so splendid as to none are less, but to that third which she does now possess, her heart and birth fortune so well did know, that seeking her own fame in such a foe, she dressed the spacious theatre for the fight, and the admiring world called to the sight. An army, then, of mighty sorrows brought, who all against this single virtue fought, and sometimes stratagems, and sometimes blows, to her heroic soul they did oppose. But at her feet their vain attempts did fall, and she discovered and subdued them all till fortune, weary of her malice grew, became her captive and her trophy too, and by too late a tribute begged have been, admitted subject to so brave a queen. But as some hero, who a field hath won, viewing the things he had so greatly done, when by his spirit's flight he finds that he, with his own life, must buy his victory, he makes the slaughtered heap that next him lies his funeral pile, and then in triumph dies. So fell this royal dame, with conquering spent, and left in every breast her monument, wherein so high an epitaph is writ, as I must never dare to copy it. But that bright angel which did on her wait, in fifty years' contention with her fate, and in that office did with wonder see how great her troubles, how much greater she, how she maintained her best prerogative, in keeping still the power to forgive, how high she did in her devotion go, and how her condescension stooped as low, with how much glory she had ever been, a daughter, sister, mother, wife, and queen, will sure employ some deathless muse to tell our children this instructive miracle, who may her sad illustrious life recite, and after all her wrongs may do her right. End of Part One